Hey, you ought to grab somebody by the hand and tell them your best day's coming. God's about to come through for you. I got a God that's still doing miracles. I serve a God that's still doing miracles. He's still healing. He's still delivering. That's it, Saint. Lift your voice. Hallelujah. Come on. Give him a hand clap and a shout. Make some noise in this house. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. you I don't care where you are your voice can reflect your victory I said I don't care where you find yourself what situation it is but your voice can reflect your victory they took Daniel who was a man of God faithful to the Lord said he he was living in a foreign land under a foreign king but he still prayed to God every day one day they worked up a trick and got him caught in it and decided they were going to uh, have to throw him in a den of lions. And they put him in that den of lions and rolled the stone over him and left him overnight. The king, he, he had kind of been drugged into this. He, didn't, he loved Daniel, didn't really want to see him hurt, but he couldn't go against the, the law that he had made. But the next morning, he said he rolled that stone back off the door of that, that lion's den. and Daniel! Is the God that you serve able to keep you? He didn't hear nobody moaning and gasping for their last breath. He didn't hear lions crunching down on leg bones and arm bones and making a meal out of that, out of that man of God. But instead, out of that dark den of lions, they heard a voice that said, O king, live forever. Don't you know that king jumped back and everybody that was with him jumped back because that was the first time they ever heard anybody speak out of that darkness. I don't care where the enemy's got you at today. Your voice can, hey, it can reflect your victory right now. You might be in a place of sickness. You might be in a place of sorrow. But you can say, oh, king, live forever. I serve the king of kings and the Lord of lords. It ain't over just because the enemy says it's over. He might plan on it being over. But when you serve the most high God, Go ahead and make your bed in that den of lions because the morning's coming and you're going to stand up and you're going to lift your voice in victory. Oh, King, live forever. It don't matter what they say. It don't matter what the facts are. When God gets involved in it, it's going to change. God's still giving victory. God's still healing and delivering. He's still that same God that'll keep you.
Thank you, Jesus. Somebody lift their hands and their voice. It's about time you lifted your voice out of that dark place. It's about time you just lifted your voice. You won't be there forever. You won't be there forever. You're on your way to a promotion. Don't let what you fear in your flesh stop the power you have by faith. you lay hands on somebody beside you and pray for them. You tell them this ain't the end of you. It's not the end. I know it's rough. I know it's horrible. But it's not the end. You got a great God on your side.
Aleluya. Aleluya. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Listen, the scripture is clear that we have an enemy as a roaring lion. It goes about seeking whom he may devour. But the scripture also tells me that if I submit myself to God and then resist the devil, he shall flee. When Daniel found himself in that den of lions, it was for one reason only because he served the most high God they hated him because he served God they hated him because he would pray and do his own thing and he was blessed because of it they lived in that land and they weren't as blessed as he was that was the kingdom that they served and they weren't as blessed as he was and they couldn't stand it and even in that land that this foreigner would be blessed like he was and it was all because he served God And when they conspired against him to finish him off, they had no ideas. They were just signing the papers on his promotion. When he was laid in that that den of lions, I'm sure it was a long night. And I'm sure that his flesh knew. He didn't ignore the facts. He knows that these lions can eat him. I know that these lions, I'm sure that the bones of Uh, People that had went before him testified of the fact that this could be where I take my last breath if it hadn't been for the Lord who was on my side. But there was something inside of Daniel. There was faith that overrode the facts. There was faith in a God that was always watching out for him. There was faith in a God that could do anything and deliver from any situation. He, he knew that he was there uh, by, by trickery and by deception, but he knew that God was with him wherever he went. And I don't know how long it took. We like to say, well, he just went right in there and, and laid down and went to sleep. I don't know. Maybe he got in a corner as far away as he could from all those lions. Maybe he stayed away. We saw he made his bed on him and laid his head on him and went to sleep. I don't know that he did. All I do know is that it was a long night. Hey, let me tell you, it might be a long night, but the morning's coming. There's going to be an opportunity to come out. There's going to be a time for you to get out of it, but you got to have the answer. It's already in your mouth. It's in your heart. You know that God can do anything. And when the stone rolls away and they want to know, are you done yet? Have you surrendered yet? Are you giving up yet? Are you dead yet? You make sure you lift your voice and say, ain't even close to dead. Oh, king, live forever. I ain't close to being done. I ain't close to being finished. I'm on my way to the next level. I'm on my way to a promotion. The king pulled them out, threw his enemies in. They didn't have an answer the next morning. They were through. But the Lord promoted Daniel. The king promoted Daniel in that land and blessed him for his faithfulness. Your pit, your problem, wherever you are, is just the next step to your promotion. God's about to do some great things. Let me tell you, if, if the enemy could kill you, I'm going to, let me to tell you, the enemy doesn't know your future. He can't see your future. But one thing I believe maybe he has learned since the beginning of time is one thing is that there is potential in every child of God. So he wants to kill the potential. He doesn't know 
if you're going to pastor. He doesn't know if you're going to missionary. He doesn't know if you're going to uh, teach at a Bible school. He knows none of that, but he does know that you serve God. And he does know that the Holy Ghost is inside of you. And he does know that now you have power to be witnesses unto the uttermost part of the earth. And so if he can kill the potential, if he can stop you short of doing what you're called to do, he don't want to see it come to pass. But I'm thankful that God's working on the other end. And he that has begun a good work in you shall perform it. God's going to work. Don't you give up. Don't you, don't you give in. Don't you quit. If he could have killed you, he should have. <laughs> I preached one time a, a while ago. That what, they say what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. But I preached it. I said what didn't kill you was a mistake by the enemy. <laughs> Should have killed me when you had a chance because my best days are coming. Should have took me out. Should have, should have got rid of me while you could do it. Should have devoured me when I was at my weakness. You should have done it because now I'm calling on the name of the Lord. Aren't you thankful that you got somebody to call on today? Aren't you thankful you got somebody to call on today? Come on, give me my hand, clap and a shout. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! God's going to do some great things in your life. Amen. Thank the Lord. You can be seated. Get back to your seats. And thank you for worshiping and carrying on. And just letting God bless you real good. Thank you to all them people that was walking around this room. I assume you was walking uh, for Brother Paul and his healing. And it would be great to let Sister Sabrina know how these, this church reacted and, and, and did that for her while she wasn't here. I know she would be very encouraged to know that. That's the kind of church we got. We're there. I go, or you go, I go. That's it, ain't it? We're all in this together, all for one, one for all. That's not, I don't, I don't want to hear nothing about no high school musical. That's the goofiest stuff. That's, no, this, before, before that ever came out, the church was already in this together. Mm. Praise God. I got a, a message to preach today. I feel like it's from the Lord and want to just uh, maybe remind us of some things and maybe preach you something new, maybe just give you some answers you're looking for today. I don't know, but I want to preach today. <clears throat> I thought God was going to just turn it around there for a minute, but he's like, no. When he stopped giving me stuff to say, I said, it's time to hush <clears throat> before I stick my foot in my mouth. So... Uh, 1 Timothy chapter 2, if you have your Bibles, you want to turn for just a moment. I won't be very long. There's going to be, I'm going to read a lot of Scripture, but I'm going to read through it quickly uh, today, not just right here at the beginning, but through this lesson, because nobody can preach better than the Word. It's, it's where we find what we need. In 1 Timothy 2, Paul writes, I exhort, therefore, that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. Somebody say all men. All men. For kings and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior, who will have all men. Somebody say all men. I don't usually do that, so that's awkward to me. 
who will have all men to be saved, to come unto the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. In 1 Timothy 3.16, And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was. That same God that he just said was our Savior. That one God. He said God was. Our Savior was. Manifest in the flesh. Anybody know who I'm talking about? Thank you. Justified in the Spirit. Seen of angels. Preached unto the Gentiles. Believed on in the world. And received up into glory. I want to preach for a few moments on this thought. All saved. One Savior. All saved one Savior. Would you lift your hands and just pray for the lesson right now? Precious Jesus, I thank you for your presence. I thank you for your word, and I thank you for being our Savior today. Lord, anoint these lips of clay for just a few moments. Let me preach words that will be acceptable in your sight and be food to your people. We ask it now in Jesus' name. Amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise today. What a great God. What a great God. He said it was God's will to have all men to be saved. But first of all, he, he let us know that there is one God and that he is our Savior. Paul went on to write to Timothy. These are not strange thoughts to Timothy. These are reminders to Timothy. That without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. For God was, this one God, this Savior was manifest in the flesh. Luke 2 and 11, the angel declared uh, unto the shepherds, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. There is no um, misinterpretation or misconstrued uh, thought here. There's no confusion here when you understand what Paul has said. He is only uh, reiterating what the angel said, there is a Savior and there is only one Savior and God is our Savior and that God was manifest in the flesh. He is Christ the Lord for God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. There is one Savior. In Isaiah chapter 45, in Isaiah 45 and verses 21 through 23, the Lord said, Tell ye and bring them near. Yea, let them take counsel together. Who hath declared this from ancient time and who hath told it from that time? Have not I the Lord? And there is no God else beside me. Not on the right side or the left. A just God and a Savior. There is none beside me. Look unto me and be saved all ends of the earth. That means all men. Still, it's been his desire from the beginning for all men to be saved. Look unto me and be ye saved all ends of the earth, for I am God, and there is none else. Isn't that wonderful? Then he says, I have sworn, see if this scripture sounds familiar. If you read your Bibles, it should, because you'll hear the phrase more than once. I have sworn by myself, the word has gone out of my mouth in righteousness and shall not return, that unto me every knee shall bow and every tongue shall swear. Well, Philippians chapter 2 Paul, who gave the revelation to Timothy, uh, he said this, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven, things on earth, and things under the earth, 
and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And because God said, I will not give my glory unto another. There is one God, and his name is Jesus. And if there is only one God, that means there is only one Savior, and his name is Jesus. If his name is Jesus, every knee shall bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, and he's the Savior of all men. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism. So now that we know his name, Acts 4 and 12 tells us that neither is there salvation in any other. For there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. All men are going to be saved, but it's going to be by one Savior. It's going to be by this God that created heaven and earth that formed all things. This God that the scripture said in the book of Acts, it said that he has purchased this church with his own blood. That he loved us so much that he would lay down his life for us. In Titus chapter 2, in verses 10 through 13, uh, he said, Not prolonging, but showing all good fidelity that they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior in all things. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. God our Savior in verse 10, Jesus our Savior in verse 13. The Lord said, there ain't another God beside me, and I'm the Savior. So all Titus was doing was giving his name. Let me just give you the name because the name of the Savior is important because it is the saving name. And thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Oh, yeah. And he'd be called Emmanuel, which is interpreted God with us. God was with them. God is with us. And his name is Jesus. Come on, somebody ought to give him a hand clap. I'm glad I know the Savior. Jesus is our Savior. And Jesus died for us all. In John chapter 3, in verse number 14. The Lord said, and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that through the world through him might be saved. Jesus died for all. All are going to be saved, and if they are, it's going to be by one Savior. In Isaiah 53 and 12 and Hebrews 9 and 28, both times, this, I didn't give you this, but it says that Christ was offered to bear the sins of many. There's not anybody that God is not concerned with saving. When you read about him, even in the Old Testament, we like to think, well, he was only concerned about Israel. That's not true. He was concerned uh, when they had strangers in the land. He said, be mindful of those strangers because you one time were a stranger 
in the land of Egypt. God has always been concerned about all men. That's why he said, look unto me all ends of the earth and be ye saved for I am God and there is none else. In 2 Corinthians 5 and 15 it says, and that he died for all. He died for all. You can't think of nobody so wicked that Jesus didn't die for. You can't think of somebody that you can't stand that Jesus didn't die for. If you've got somebody in your life that you're like, I cannot stand them, guess what? Jesus can because he died for them. Because it's his will that all men be saved. He wants to see everybody come. Does he know that they won't? Sure, he knows that. But it's not his will that any perish, but that all would come to repentance. God wants to save all men. But he's not going to pass the buck, and he's not going to give that job to somebody else. He has always been and will always be the Savior. The only Savior that you will ever know is God Almighty, Jesus Christ, our Lord. In Revelation 5 and 9, it says they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by the blood out of every kindred and every tongue and every people and every nation. It doesn't matter where they live, whether it's in a cave, in a jungle, in a mountain, in a city, across the sea, under the sea. Hey, they could live in Alabama, and guess what? God's still going to save them. They can root for LSU, and God's still going to save them. They might even like Tennessee. Hello, Rocky Top. And God will still save them. Brother Scott didn't pay me to say that either. All kindreds, people, nations, tongues, race, color, yeah, They might be uh, worshiping some other idol. They might be worshiping some other god. They might be killing people in their country. They might be doing all kinds of things that are ungodly. But if they would just look and turn their eyes unto Jesus, he would still look back at them with eyes full of love and compassion. And if they would just repent, he would wrap them up and wash them in his blood and wash away their sin. They might go to jail for what they done, but they'll go to heaven for what he done. I can't help what the law says, the natural law in this world. You might go to jail for some crimes you commit, but you can still go to heaven because of what he did. Because he didn't look at you and say, no, I don't save murderers. I don't save thieves. I don't save uh, drunkards or, or prostitutes or anything. like." He said, I will save them all. But you and I can't start looking around for some other avenue. He said all men ought to be saved, but it'll be by one. It'll be by this God that manifests himself in the flesh. It'll be this God that suffered as you and I suffered. It'll be this God that was tempted as you and I are tempted, but he was without sin. Nobody. Well, when I read that scripture in Revelation, it, it, it makes me excited because it lets me know that nobody is disqualified for the grace of God that bringeth salvation has appeared to all men. It appears to everybody. Oh, if they could just see it. Hey, Jesus appeared here at one time, and they couldn't see it. But it didn't change the fact. He just said, you didn't know the time of your visitation. 
You didn't understand, but it don't change the fact that I was here. Some even saw him hanging on the cross, but uh, they would look at him and, and, and say, well, if he was the Christ, he ought to come down. And, and uh, hey, don't write that he's the king of the Jews, but that he said he was the king of the Jews. Don't, don't give him a title. that We don't believe that's who he is. Didn't matter if they believed it. Didn't matter if they saw it. He was still the Savior of the world. All humans are qualified. Matter of fact, it ain't about being disqualified. It's the sin in our life that qualifies us for his grace. (laughs) Because all have sinned. Come on. There is none righteous, no, not one. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So the grace of God appears to all men. And it's by grace through faith that we are saved. Jesus himself spoke of his own mission when he said in Luke 19 and 10, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. He said in another place that those that are whole don't need a physician, but they that are sick. I came to fix and heal the sick. John 10 and 11, he said, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. In John 15 and 13, he said, Greater love has no man than this, that a man would lay down his life for his friends. When he stood before Pilate in his judgment, he told Pilate, To this end was I born. Jesus knew what the Scripture said about him. He told the Jews one time, he said, Listen, search the scripture, for in it you think you have eternal life, and it is the scriptures that testify of me. Oh, will we believe Moses? He said, well, if you believed Moses, you would believe me, because Moses wrote about me. And Jesus knew what the scripture said about him. He knew from a young age why he had come here. He told them when he was just a young boy around 12 years of age, I must be about my father's business. And my father's business is about saving souls. He knew that it would take his blood. For without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. John wrote in 1 John 1 and 7 that it is the blood of Jesus that cleanses us from all sin. Don't ever think I've done something so bad that Jesus can't even fix it. It is his blood that cleanses you and I from all sin, from every wicked thought, from every wicked intent of the heart, from everything that we had to delete, from everything that we had to hide. Come on, somebody. I'm telling you today that the blood of Jesus, it reaches everywhere. It doesn't matter where you find yourself or what you find yourself. The blood of Jesus can make it right. Sometimes we won't talk about it. We try to hide it. We try to cover it up. But the blood of Jesus can fix that. He said, if you just confess your faults, then I'm faithful to forgive those sins. The blood of Jesus can cleanse anybody. There are people locked up today that you and I would probably get sick to our stomach. We would probably uh, begin to shake with fear and just become extremely nervous if we knew why they were locked up. If you could sit down and talk to some of these serial killers and let them just tell you what went through their mind or what didn't go through their mind as they murdered and murdered and killed and abused people. We would think, how can anybody be like that? And we would think, even God 
can't love them, but he does. And it ain't nothing but a testimony of the grace of God that he can reach. And we, we think, well, I just got ordinary sins. But some people ain't got ordinary sin. Not in the world we live in today. But the world still needs to know that even in the 21st century, that the blood has not lost any power. That the name of Jesus has not lost any power. Oh, hey, they cooking up things to get into in this day and time. But Jesus said, I don't need a new plan. No, whatever they cook up, the blood of Jesus is still good enough to take care of it. They trying to invent trouble to get into. That's okay. The blood of Jesus was good enough from the foundation of the world. <laughs> it might be new to you and me, but it ain't new to him. He said, from the foundation of the world, I had it covered. From the very beginning, before man ever took his first breath, when he was nothing more but an idea in my mind, when it was all just in me, never nothing created, nothing formed, yet I already had the solution. I already knew what it would take to get people saved. And Jesus knew that he must lay down his life. He knew that... Except I, this cup won't pass except I drink it. He, he began to realize it. Except I go to that cross. Uh, he knew that he must die for you and I to be saved. He had done nothing worthy of death, but he was the Lamb of God. And he was worthy to be praised. He was the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. And he was the Savior of the world. And he wanted to make it to that cross so he could hear uh, uh, all the, the things that people would say. He wanted to get on that cross uh, so he could say, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. Hey, let me tell you, he wasn't just looking at that crowd, but he was looking all the way through time. And he said, Lord, Father, forgive them because they just don't know what they're doing. By ignoring me, they don't realize what they're doing. By, by shaking their head at me, they don't realize what they're doing. By nailing me here, they don't realize what they're doing. They think they're stopping me, but they're only starting the plan. They're only putting the plan in motion. For if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me. Jesus spoke that concerning his death. It didn't matter who they were or where they found themselves. He was able to take care of them. He knew I've got to die so they can be saved. You and I had no uh, plan, no escape plan, no backup plan. We, there's nothing you and I could pull out of our, our, our bag of tricks to be saved. The scripture even said of us that we could wash ourselves, we could take much soap, much niter, and wash ourselves. And the Lord said, yet your iniquity would still be marked before me. I know we would rather just handle it ourselves, but Jesus said that's not the plan. I know it'd be, oh, I don't want nobody to see what I've done, so if I can just fix it, I'll fix it. But you can't. It's going to take the blood of Jesus. It's going to take that Savior, that, that one God, that Savior of all men. It's going to take Him. It's His will for all men to be saved, but it's going to be by one Savior. In Romans 5 and 6, He said, For when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. When I couldn't do anything, when I had no options, when I had no power, it was Jesus that made the difference. Let me tell you, if you're looking for a way out, it's Jesus. 
If you're looking for something to be different in your life, it's Jesus. If you're trying to figure out why nothing's working and why every time I try to build something up, it gets knocked back down, you need Jesus. You need the Savior in your life. He loves you more than anything. Died for you and I. He he gave his life, shed that blood, went through the suffering so you and I could be saved. This is all I can do. This is it. There's no other plan. He said, if it's possible, let this cup pass. But if not, if this is what it takes, then I will do it. In verse 7, he said, for scarcely for a righteous man will one die. And yet, peradventure, for a good man, some would even dare to die. Let me tell you, there were people better than me that, ought to be, that I should be disqualified. But he said, uh-uh, when you were in your sins when you were ungodly, when you were not like me. You know, I mentioned it earlier how that, you know, we, we always put people on a scale. They're better than me. You know, they're, they're, they're more holy than I am. They're more righteous than I am. And Jesus meets a rich young ruler one day. Master, what should I do to have eternal life? And so he begins to tell him, you need to take all your possessions. He's very rich. Sell them, distribute them, give it to the poor, take up the cross and follow me. So the guy went away very sad because he had great possessions and he loved his stuff more than he loved everlasting life. And so Jesus said, how hardly shall the rich man enter into the kingdom of heaven. And the disciples like, well, then who can be saved? Just talking about one demographic of people, rich people. Jesus only mentioned him. How hardly shall rich be saved? And they go, because in their mind, rich people are blessed people. Oh, rich people got it all. Come on, we do the same things. You know, well, it must be nice not to have to worry about bills. It must be nice to just go buy a car if you want it. It must be nice just to have that, all that land or that house just travel all the time. We, we, we're always comparing ourselves to people who's got money. Oh, wouldn't it be nice? I wish I had. We hear a new star, sports star signs a $36 million a year contract, and we're like, wow, $36 million for one year. He, and all he does is go out there and throw a ball or catch a ball, and $36 million. Man, I wish I, you know, he could give me a little bit of that. You ain't never said that? He wouldn't even miss it. He could pay my house off. It wouldn't even it'd be like pocket change. You know, he could do that. And, and then we, 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 we do people like that, and they're like, wow, if the rich can't be saved well then who can be saved uh, who, who can be saved that's when the Lord looked at him he said with men it is impossible they'll never be good enough or rich enough to be saved but with God all things are possible I can save the rich I can save the poor I can save the, the righteous and I can save the sinner I can save the worst of them. I can scrape them off the bottom of the barrel and make something great out of them. He said, but it's going to take me. Stop comparing yourself. Stop making out like you're not good enough. He said, listen, with God, all things are possible. That means anybody can be saved. Anybody can be changed. Anybody can live right. Anybody can have a life that's blessed by God. Anybody can. Oh, but I've tried. Well, then you quit trying and let God do it. 
Sometimes we're trying so hard, we're pushing God out of the way. Let him save you today. Let him save you today. Stop disqualifying yourself and comparing yourself and saying, I I don't have this and I don't have that. He said, those rich people, those that think they've got it all, how hardly can they be saved? That rich young ruler had, when Jesus said, well, you know, the commandments, what, what do they say? And he, he named them off, and he said, well, do that. And he said, I've done those, all those things since my youth. He was so sure he was in there. Well, one thing you lack. And he couldn't sacrifice to do that one thing. Holding on to his stuff was enough to make him turn his back on Jesus. Don't you let nothing cause you to turn your back on Jesus. Don't you let nothing cause you to walk away from him. He wants you to be saved. In verse 8, but God commends his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, while we were sinners, we don't like to think about, we like to think that God limits his eyesight to the righteous for the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous. We hate to think that he saw us before we were righteous. We hate to think that he sees us when we're doing unrighteousness. We hate to think that he saw me when I was, I had drank so much and I was hanging on to the side of the building and throwing up outside of a bar somewhere. Or I don't like to think about Jesus seeing me like that. Or I don't like to think that Jesus saw me when I stole that or, or that Jesus saw me when I lied about that or when I cheated on that or when I, you know, uh, stole this or, or, or smoked this or shot this. You know, I don't like to think about Jesus seeing me like that, but guess what? He did. And he saw it before you ever did it. <laughs> he knew what people would do, and he said, while we were sinners, he died. I know that some of them, I know that before I came to God, I wasn't looking for him. I had my back turned full-fledged to him. And for everyone that had their back turned to him, he died for them. Christ, that one Savior, died for all. One Savior died for all. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. He said, I'll give you a promise. I'm going to save you and give you a promise for a future. For if when we were the enemies of God, when we were reconciled to God. We were his enemies, but we were reconciled to God. He didn't destroy us because we were his enemies. He made us his friends. He turned an enemy into a friend and saved us by his life. He saves the world. He saved me. He saves all because it's not his will that any perish, but that all would come to repentance. Repentance is a turn. You've got to make a decision. Lord, I will turn my eyes toward you. I will turn my back on this world and live my life for you. It's a wonderful promise that he died for all men. It is. It's a great, wonderful promise that Jesus died for all men. He can, can he save all men? He can save all men. The blood of Jesus cleanses from all sin. and He's the Savior of the whole world. But there there was a statement made as he hung on the cross. In Mark 15, 31, they looked at him and said, He saved others. Himself, 
He cannot save. The one person that he could not save was himself. Well, he had a choice because he looked into that cup and said, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. He had a choice, but it's like saying to someone, you know, if they're, if they're about diabetic, uh, they can't not take their shot. They, they could choose to not take it, but if they want to live, they have to take it. But Jesus knew, I can't back out. I can't save myself if I want to save them. It won't work both ways. There's got to be a Lamb of God slain. There's got to be bloodshed. There's got to be a sacrifice, and I'm the one. For the angel said, for unto us is born a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. He saved others. Himself he cannot save. Jesus said this in Matthew 26 and 53 and 54. Thinkest thou that I cannot now pray to my Father, and he shall presently give me more than twelve legions of angels? But how then shall the Scriptures be fulfilled that thus it must be? He knew to that end he was born. And if I call the armies of heaven to come get me out of here, what's going to happen to you guys? What's going to happen to this world? What's going to happen to all those that are coming behind you? He said of himself, no man takes my life. He said, I have the power to lay it down, and I have the power to take it up again. Nobody takes it from me. I lay it down of myself. Because he knew that he had to get to a place where he could look out and say, it is finished. Hebrews 12 and 2 said that Jesus did this. Uh, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. He despised the shame and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. He already knew it'll be okay. He knew he had power. It wouldn't have been enough for him to just die, but he had to come back. And in John chapter 2 and verse 19, he told him, he said, destroy this temple. And in three days, I will raise it up. When Jesus went to Calvary, he went knowing this ain't the end. We was talking about that a while ago when the enemy's trying to kill you. Let me tell you, it ain't the end for you. He knew it wasn't the end for him. He knew that, it's, that I'm going to come out of that tomb. Oh, it's going to be bad. It's gonna, I'm going to suffer. I'm going to bleed and I'm going to die. They're going to treat me horribly. But in three days... You won't even know it except for the scars in my hand and the, the, the scar in my side. Aside from all that, you won't even know that this is even happening. But let me tell you, he's, he's coming back one day too. But today, you and I need to remember that Jesus wants us all saved. But it's going to come through this one Savior. He said, destroy me and I'll be back. I'm coming back better i'm coming back whole i'm coming back with with healing in my wings i'm coming back with salvation i'm coming back to offer hope to this world aren't you glad today the bible the old song said because he lives i can face tomorrow i'm glad that he didn't just die but that he rose from the dead so how, how does that apply to me we need to be saved 
Last week we talked about being children of God and what it takes to not just be fostered but to be adopted. How he adopted us. Well, look, it ain't enough to just know about and hear about salvation. You need to obey it. You need to understand it. There's only one way to be saved, and that's through Christ. In Mark 16 and 16, the Lord said, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. I don't know why people try to argue that scripture and try to twist it and, and act like it doesn't mean. Why can you take everything else that Jesus said except this? He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. So Acts 4 and 12 says that there's neither is there salvation in any other, for there's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. So if it takes baptism to be saved and there's no other name than whereby we must be saved, then I must be baptized in the name of Jesus. Ephesians 4 and 5, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, just one. When you see uh, the two baptisms that are often referenced in Scripture, when you see uh, Matthew, where he said to be baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son of the Holy Ghost, we think, well, that's the baptism. But then Peter, with the keys to the kingdom, stood up on the day of Pentecost, and in Acts 2.38, he said, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Because there's only one Lord. And there's only one faith and there's only one baptism. And Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And if God, if, if Jesus was going to be called Emmanuel, which is interpreted God with us, and his name shall be called Jesus, then guess what? The name of the Father and of the Son of the Holy Ghost, that name is Jesus. Yeah. It takes it to be saved. Well, I'm going to be saved another way. Why? The Bible said to be saved through baptism. It's, it's in there more than once, too. If we don't want to believe Jesus, we could believe Peter. When Peter said in 1 Peter 3 and 21 that eight souls were saved by water in the days of Noah, the light figure, wherein to baptism doth also now save us. It saves us. He said it saves us. Well, well, you know, that was Peter. Well, it was Peter. But what about what Titus wrote? I'm getting ready to close but we've got to know how to be saved. He wants all men to be saved, but they but one Savior. His name is Jesus. He said to be baptized, to be saved. He that believeth and is baptized. But look what uh, Titus wrote in Titus chapter 3 and verses 4 through 6. But after that, the kindness and love of God our Savior toward man appeared. So after Jesus appears and this Savior appears, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. See, we stop right there. It's just his mercy and his mercy, it saves us. He said his mercy saved us by the washing. Now, that's not just figurative because the word translated there is lutron, which means baptism. You can look it up yourself. He said, so in other words... Yeah, it's His mercy that we even had an opportunity to be baptized. It's His mercy that we even have that option of salvation. But, but baptism in His name is the route He chose. So according to His mercy, He saved us by baptism. 
and renewing of the Holy Ghost, Acts 2.38. Be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, which he shed on us abundantly through Christ our Savior. Verse 4, God our Savior. Verse 6, Christ our Savior. Jesus Christ our Savior. Put his name on it. Because God was in Christ, making him the Savior, reconciling the world unto himself. Paul said in Romans chapter 6 that we need to be buried with him in baptism so we can be raised in the likeness of, of his resurrection. But if there's no death, which is repentance, if there's no burial, which is baptism, there is no new life. I'm thankful for the Holy Ghost. You know, we've had people filled with the Holy Ghost. And then they say, wow, that's it. That's, that's the end all of end all. Wait, not, no, it's not. Because Holy Ghost, that's new life. But you don't want to go through new life dragging old sins around. The Bible says that baptism is for the remission of sins past. And until we're baptized in his name, we're still carrying around. Filled with the Holy Ghost. Okay, that's great. They repented. They got filled. Awesome. Because God sees their heart. He, and he said if they believe on him, they should receive it. But they still, also if they believe, they should be baptized. People say, I believed. I got the Holy Ghost. That's all I got to do. No, Jesus said also if you believe, you ought to be baptized. So that you can get rid of your baggage. Ain't nothing worse than walking around. Hey, you wouldn't walk around carrying a, a, a bag of garbage all week that you've that you just been throwing stuff in. Just, I'm going to just carry this bag of garbage around. You'd get rid of it. Well, you can't get rid of sin on your own. We've got to do our part. And so when we're baptized in his name, the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. Now we walk in newness of life. A lot of people feel the Holy Ghost, but they're not walking in newness of life. Because you can't walk in newness while you're still carrying around the old. Yeah? One more scripture. Stand with me. To kind of tie it up in a bow. Everybody loves the scripture. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. And that's where we stop. But first, you got to get into Christ. How do you get into Christ? The scripture says, Know you not that so many of you that are baptized into Christ have put on Christ. If I want to get in him, I've got to be baptized into him. We are buried with him in baptism so if I want to be a new creature it ain't just the spirit that's got to move in I got to get rid of the old for old things are passed away all things are made new well old things don't go away and nothing gets new until we're buried and rose from the dead if Jesus had just been buried they could have went back three days later and looked and his body would have still been tore up but because he rose from the dead he was transformed and he was new. He was resurrected into newness of life. But if he had just st- stayed dead, and as long as we stay dead in sin, the Holy Ghost can't give us a new life. I'm thankful that the Lord wants to save us all. I'm glad there's one Savior. His name is Jesus. And I'm glad he wants to save us all. While she's playing this morning, Would you come find a place in this altar and pray? If you need to be saved, well, here's your chance.
Come and pray today. Come and ask the Lord, I, I need you. Repent of your sins. God, I want to be saved. If you believe it, if you repent, if you want to be saved, then you can be baptized in Jesus' name today. If you need the Holy Ghost, God will fill you with the Holy Ghost. If you've been baptized you need His Spirit, it can happen today. Come on, saints, come pray with those that are praying this morning. Find somebody to pray with. Hallelujah. I want to be saved. I want to be saved.
stretch your hands this way and pray for those that are praying right now. This um, Hallelujah. There's some getting in touch with the Savior today. Ha, ain't nothing like getting things clean with Him, getting things clear with Him. Hallelujah. Come on, saints, stretch your hands and pray. mighty God what a loving God so mindful of us I know there's a lot of context that we can take what Jesus said when he said that the thief came to kill and to steal and destroy the thief came to kill this he's got 
That's his purpose. It's either kill, steal, or destroy. That's his mission statement. And whatever has been torn up, destroyed, stolen, lost, beat down, beat up, ripped the shreds in your life, Jesus went on to say, but I have an answer. Well, the thief does come to kill, steal, and destroy. He said, but I have come. That one Savior that loves you so much. He said, but I have come that you might have life and that more abundantly. In other words, no matter what happened before I got there, you can still have a good life. You can still have life abundantly. I don't care what happened before I came. Before I came into your life, before I came into your world, I don't care what was stolen, what was killed, what was destroyed. I don't care what havoc the enemy wreaked in your life. Once I get there, I'm going to make it up. I'm going to make it up to you. Oh, there ain't nothing like serving the Lord. Aren't you thankful that he came? And he came that you, hey, if, if I didn't need life, I wouldn't need him. But we didn't have life. We had death and destruction and sorrow and heartache and all kinds of things. But he came to give you something better. And I'm thankful for him today. Amen. Give him one more hand clap and a shout of praise. Don't you love the Lord today? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Can you lift your voice and just love him for a moment? Don't you love him? Hadn't he been good to you? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. On your worst day, you still have Jesus. So no matter what tomorrow throws at you, on your worst day, you still have Jesus. That's something worth living for. Praise God. Hey, I hope to see everybody at prayer tomorrow night. Be here if you can at 7 o'clock. Ladies, don't forget Bible study, 7 o'clock on Tuesday. And uh, guys... Let's, we did, I guess we need to get our own Bible study up sometime. Get the guys going too. Amen. All right. God is so good. Praise the Lord. If, you, if you're going with the kids, if you've got questions about the kids' trip, you can see Sister Tafar right now. Other than that, you're dismissed in Jesus' name. God bless you.